can take the shot. Are you telling me to take the shot? I'm telling you to take the shot. Now hold your fire and take the shot. Well, well, I should hold my fire or I should take the shot? Hold your fire and take the shot. Oh man, this is messed up. They stand down. <laughs> locked and loaded. Well, I locked and loaded, sir. Good. God, you must be addicted. Wait a minute, what are you doing? Wait. <laughs> God, you must be addicted to doing squats. Oh, excuse me, sir. I said locked and loaded. No. Enemy target at 75 meters. I have a lock. Do you? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. The team is sharp, but hold your fire. Are you, are you ordering me to take the shot, sir? What part of hold your fire and take the shot? Don't you understand, boy? All of it, sir. Just take the damn shot, soldier. Hold your fire and take the shot. I should take the shot? Take the shot. Hold your fire and take the shot. Okay, I'm taking the shot. Take the shot. Hey guys, welcome to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSweatation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Going well, pretty well. Uh, it's a little bit of a different uh, Blood and Black Rum Podcast show. Um, as we had said, we were going to be doing the shows, even though there's a widespread pandemic going on. And unfortunately, in our area at least, the pandemic has gotten worse it's probably worse than it was uh in the height of the pandemic especially when new york city was going through its uh you know uh, thousands of cases so it's worse in our area so we decided that we were going to do the show in a different way and uh we're doing it remotely and we're using our discord server as a means of recording the show so it's a little bit of a different show for everybody um this is our first remote podcast we've never done it before um and hopefully it turns out well. We don't really know. We've we tested it out yesterday, but we don't really know much more than that. And um if there's any weird audio glitches or you know it sounds like uh it's coming through a Skype chat or something, that's because it basically is. So this is a weird one for us because uh we didn't watch the film together. We watched it separately. And generally we watch the film together, we get together, we drink a few beers, maybe eat some dinner that my wife cooked up. Uh, and then we do the podcast live and in person. And um, so it's a little bit different to do this time. We don't have the reactions of ourselves when we're watching the, the movie, uh, which is always a nice gauge of, of um, figuring out what we want to talk about during the show. Um, instead, we've kind of got our individual ideas that we had to come up with while we were watching the film. So that's a little bit different. Like, so we don't know where each like other are coming like, from. Like a normal podcast. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Like a normal podcast. <laughs> a well-structured, um, thought-out podcast. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we were so for this episode, we were talking about doing a nice Thanksgiving special because as we're recording this, it's Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Uh, this episode is going to go up like right after uh, we get done recording, and I edit it, so uh, it will be available for Thanksgiving. So we were like, "All right, let's do a Thanksgiving film." 
And for some reason, I thought that First Blood was a Thanksgiving <laughs> film. And I don't know where this came from. I, I thought I read a list of films that were Thanksgiving films. And I thought First Blood was one of them. Did, did, did you read this too? Didn't you? Didn't we both read no. this? No, it wasn't on the list because the list of films, oh. Thanksgiving films, were like appalling. It was like, you can watch You've Got Mail. Dutch. No, I think, yeah, right. I think I might have gotten just kind of confused with Rocky. And so I, for some reason, you know, you were on the Stallone binge. And so <laughs> instead of Rocky, I thought they were talking about Rambo. And so I, <laughs> I, I thought First Blood was a Thanksgiving film. To be uh, honest with you, I did, I never even realized First the Blood, even though it's not uh, because there is zero point zero percent Thanksgiving in this movie. Just so everybody's aware, <laughs> you know, it really hit the Thanksgiving uh, quota or anything. But what it does have is all. All of those Christmas half of the film, it's not so prominent in the first part of the movie, but in the second half of the film, when he goes back to the city, um, there are a lot of Christmas decorations. There's like stores lit up and you get a nice little. Out of the whole mind. And this is sort of like, um, when we did our Die Hard episode, which Die Hard is also a Christmas movie, we're lumping First Blood in as a Christmas movie as well and starting off our celebration of the holidays. So, you know, it's not Thanksgiving, but it's close enough. It's it's a, a holiday film um, that, you know, has about like two minutes of holiday stuff in it. It's too bad that you don't see like a Christmas tree getting blown to smithereens or something like that. Well... This is Rambo's early days. Yeah. Low key on explosions. Though we do get a nice Death Wish car explosion. That is true. We do. Now I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie here. I've only seen First Blood one other time and I was only half paying attention to it. Um I'm not Was it the time in my place? Um No, I don't think so. No, it was uh it was a different time. It was like on TV, and I just have—I was like kind of watching it while it was on. Um, other than that, I hadn't really ever seen First Blood in full, so it was nice to to revisit this film and and, and actually pay attention to it, um, and you know, experience the Sylvester Stallone uh, prominent features of this movie. So interestingly enough. This film had like literally 26 rewrites or some some ridiculous number of rewrites um, because the script was just a giant, terrible mess. Um, (laughs) And you can imagine having 26 drafts of a film where people are, you know, you've got various people working on the script and and bringing their own sorts of um, writing styles into it. 26 drafts is a mess. I I don't know how you would reconcile it. But I, I do recall seeing that the the original like draft was like three hours long, something ridiculous. It became like a Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria style uh, film of you know ridiculous proportions, 
And and now, as I was saying, and I was watching, I was like, I couldn't believe it was ninety minutes because I I felt it would have been more like uh you know forty uh, an hour and forty five minutes something like that. Um, some of those action films from the eighties were like more like an hour and forty five for whatever reason. Um, but to hear almost, that, I would say though, um, by today's standards, First Blood is not an action film. No, it's not. It's really not. It's more like a, a, a you might call it like a drama. I mean, it has some action in it, but it's more of like a I would suspense say like, drama. Yeah, yeah, like a thriller. Yeah. Um, not to say there's not action in the film, but like, especially for what most people get in an action film today, this I think would be very uh, uh, milk toast. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly... Um, I can't imagine this film being like three hours long. You know, it would be like Spartacus level you drama can. or something. I'd say you can. It's called Apocalypse Now. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> but I mean, that's just egregious, the three hour running time. So thankfully, Sylvester Stallone cut it down and, and basically rewrote the script from scratch. And then you get First Blood. It's kind of interesting that Stallone, of all people, was the one to really like pen the draft that would have been used to, uh, you know, to make the film. He has written a lot of films. Yeah, he did. He actually a lot of the films that he, you know, Ro- has, I say Rocky, he wrote. You know, Rocky, you know, like all the Rockies he wrote. But you know, I just feel like you don't first one Rocky two or you know really good. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you just oh, don't cliffhanger. Know. Yep, cliffhanger. Yeah, I just feel like you don't really um, think of Stallone as a writer, but he did. Man of many talents. That's right. That's right. Uh, is this a similar idea with like Jean Claude Van Damme as well? Van Damme actually, uh, in some capacity, would would write you know, a lot of the films that he worked on, too. Seagal's got no time for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know too much about Seagal's uh, screenwriting days. I feel like he's the Trump of uh, action films. Gaudy, yeah. overweight, and it's like, <laughs> no one really likes you. It's just kind of like, eh, you know. Especially, right. like, his later output. <laughs> like, he's he's had some... Uh, fairly recently that are pretty pretty trashy. <laughs> all right, so um, let's let's take our break first of all. Um, and and actually with recording this, I can't really see the time that we um that we we have going on, which normally we can. So I can like kind of have a gauge of like, all right, we've been doing this too long, or you know. Something like that. In, in in this case, I can't. I, I don't. I don't see that information. So, uh, hopefully, we don't. You know, go too far on on some of the things that we we talk about. But I think it's time we we take a break. And we we chat about the beer that we've got on the show because we have a pretty appropriate Thanksgiving holiday style beer um, for it's the show up. today. It's not. Yeah, Nipa. Yeah. Not, no, your but, not your grandmother's stuffing, Nipa. That's right. That's right. Now we've got a uh, a nice 
apple cranberry Kolsch today from our local brewery, uh, small small microbrewery Druthers. Uh, I think we've had Druthers on the show before. We maybe not. Maybe we've just talked about them. But um, Druthers on. We have. Oh, all right. If you think over the five years we've been doing this, we haven't had Druthers on. You're sadly mistaken. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so this beer is a uh, an apple cranberry Kolsch, uh, and obviously that makes sense because we uh, we wanted to have something that went with the season. And cranberry is one of my go to flavors for Thanksgiving and Christmas. If I'm not having a a beer, I'm having a uh, Moscow Mule with cranberry in it. Oh, so delightful. Now, let's turn this into, you know, uh, um, an NPR-style radio talk show. Do you, <laughs> like cran- do you like cranberry, Martin? Do you like, do you like cranberry flavor? Yeah, I love it. don't like cranberry sauce, really, but I love cranberries. How about, how about uh, you know, just, just a regular old cranberry? Do you like to just eat cranberries? I love craisins. Craisins are good. Okay, well, that doesn't, that doesn't count. Because that's a dried fruit and very different taste than a cranberry. Well, I've never like been gone to the store and be like, you know, I'm going to buy. Oh, my God. You've never had just a straight cranberry. Like the fruit. Just, just pop one in like a grape. Yeah, no, I can't say I have because I, I don't see cranberries just rum- lying around. Yeah, yeah, be- yeah. Ocean spray. Uh, if you go to the grocery store, you go to the, the uh, fruit section. There's like ocean spray bags of cranberries that you can get. Well, I can tell you right now, working in a food warehouse, um, we that does have produce and such, we don't even have cranberries. Well, that's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I just got some actually. Um, actually, we got ours from Walmart, so it seems odd that you wouldn't have them at the DC. But really, got, maybe I'm, yeah, I, you know, I'll have to. I'll make that my job on Friday. I'll double check and see. You know, yeah, I, yeah, you'll have to look for them. Yeah, I, I like a cranberry. I put them in my Moscow Mule as, a, you know, whole cranberries. Well, I've had it like that. I mean, I just like, again, it's like a pear. I don't sit down and think like, <laughs> when was the last time I've had a nice pear? Now, I, I agree know. with you on that one. You know. pears, are, pears are inferior apples, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, they don't have like a taste, and they're just like, you know. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm not the kind of person that likes to sit down and just like, I'm going to have fruit today. I love it, but it's just, you know, I'm fat, so. Yeah, it shows. I, 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 <laughs> that That's mean. That I'm joking. No, I'm that joking. hurts. That hurts. <laughs> no, but I, I, I love cranberries, like, just like that. They're really good. I would, I would encourage anybody to go check them out. If you like, like a nice tart flavor, cranberries are where it's at. Um, But this apple cranberry Kolsch has a nice cranberry flavor to it it's 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 a kolsch but it does have a tartness of a sour and i'm curious what you think martin because you hadn't had it before and you kind of waited until we got into the the beer talk to um to try yours so what do you think about the the apple cranberry drink it all you know before the show so that is true i like it a lot i like apple i like cranberry i love kolsch's Pair as well. So, uh, so a triple, triple strike there. 
Yeah. It's a turkey. Gobble, gobble. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Nice bowling reference for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's definitely more cranberry than it is apple. The apple's very kind mm-hmm. of subtle. Um, kind of like a nice. Uh, hold on, let me see. I don't know. Try it again. Can't really discern what type of apple. Uh, flavor is there, but it definitely does have that nice tart cranberryness. It's nice, crisp, and clean, like a good Kolsch is. Uh, very underrated beer style, you know, that lends itself to a lot of different flavor profilings that you can do with it. I would say I would definitely get this. This is very good. It's nice. It's crisp. It's light. It's refreshing. 6.2 ABV, so it's a little higher up there, for especially for a Kolsch. But still, that being said, it is very crisp and refreshing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's really refreshing and light. I think it's a great beer for Thanksgiving, to be honest with you, um, because it is so well light. It'll pair well with your stuffing. Absolutely. Pair well with your dark meat turkey. Yep. Um, and, and not only that, but you know, because it is so light, you can drink a few more than you normally would as you're stuffing your face. You, you don't want a super heavy beer on Thanksgiving. You're not drinking a Russian Imperial? You know what? I may just do that on Thanksgiving. You're not gonna but. like it. Uh, nice. They just released. Did you see the list for the Bourbon uh, Bourbon County series that Goose Island's doing? It's like the ten. Oh uh, no, got I didn't. Out. No, I didn't see the new ones that they released. I'll have to look at it. Oh, I've been getting ads left and right on Facebook from them, but mm. I know one of them is like an oatmeal oatmeal stout, maple bacon, maple bourbon, or some shit like that. So. Different than the ones we had last time. Yeah, it doesn't look like any repeats, but they have like another hmm. seven coming out. So, hmm, I'll have to check it out and see if I can find them again. They're like twenty dollars a bottle, so I know. Well, why do you think as much as I love like KBS and the Canadian? You know, I'm not going out buying a bottle of that either because I'll crack it open, drink it, and I'm like, wow, that was great. I feel bad for doing that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did you want to talk briefly too about the Warheads? Uh, yeah, we can because we probably won't have them on here again. So, well, yeah, I'm not buying it again. Yeah, not for that price. No, no. <laughs> but I think being a if you're a millennial, Warheads are something that should be near and dear to your heart. That if, is true. When you're a child, kind of like shock tarts, except even more sour. Right. Um, our local brewery, another local brewery around here, small microbrewery, uh, has been making the uh, four main Warheads uh, flavors. And they are, um, w- let's see, watermelon, apple, green apple, uh, blue raspberry, and black, che- black cherry, right? Is that what they're? And it's artisanal that makes it to artisanal brew works. It's based out of Troy. Yep. Which we've had uh, guests too. Yeah, Except we've had a couple on here. Um, that Warheads uh, is a it's it's a malt beverage. It's it's not technically, you know, what you would consider beer, uh, but it's a malt beverage, and it comes in a four pack of all four, so you get one of each. Um, 
And so we both got this four pack. It's pretty expensive. It's like it ends up with you know sales tax and um, uh, buy, can can return tax and stuff. It's it's about thirty dollars total. So you know, not it's pretty pricey and not something that you would like get all the time. I guess it but, is cheaper at you know the from what a buddy of mine was saying. It's definitely cheaper if you got it directly from them. Like yeah, I don't doubt that. Thirty, it's like you know, like twenty-two. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting direct from the source, it makes sense that you know you're gonna get um, you're gonna get a little discount on it. We're get, we're getting uh, you know, we're getting one from uh, a local store that had to go out of their way to get it. So I I, I don't mind paying the extra because of that, but yeah, it's probably cheaper direct from source. Um, but. You know, I, I really enjoyed all four. I think they all have this really distinctive flavors to them. Uh, when you, most of the time, when you uh, sip one, you're definitely getting that authentic Warheads flavor. Which they do have, like, for on the canning, too, like the Warheads logo and stuff. So I'm kind of curious, though, if they had to pay for the rights for that. Yeah, I think it's, it's um if you read the... Uh, the side of the can where it talks about the uh, coloring, it's authentic color. So I'm sure they did. They had to get rights and probably have a testing process to make sure that it had the authentic um, coloring of the uh, warhead. Oh, I didn't see that. That's, yep. that's... <clears throat> yeah. It's uh, cause like it, the, the beer itself is actually like li- the blue raspberry is literally blue. The uh, green apple is green. Yeah. It's like it my shit. Gr- like, you know, baby green the next day. I don't know if it was like that for you, but it was kind of like when you ate like a nightmare whopper. It was, yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Experience. I, I can see that. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed all of them. Um, I think my ranking was the blue raspberry and then the um, watermelon, the uh, green apple, and then the black cherry. I, I would say for me it was uh, the watermelon, then blue raspberry, then black cherry, and then uh, green apple. Um, I was a little disappointed. I was expecting the blue, I mean the black cherry, to be my favorite because I love the black cherry warheads. Um, wasn't uh, expecting to like the watermelon either because I'm not that big of a watermelon fan. But it definitely, at least for me, was like the best balance between like flavor profile wise. Cause uh, like the sour candy apple definitely tasted like, you know, artificial, like green apple, like, uh, like the sour apple Jolly Rancher, which is not something that I like. Yep. Um, the blue raspberry really blew me away. Cause I was like, wow, this really tastes like blue raspberry. It was very, very distinctive. Yeah. I didn't mind it. I would have liked to see like a lemon one. Like how that would have been like, you know, because the lemon warhead was like the worst because it's like the tartest of the tart. See, you know, how that would have made. That's true. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Um, is that a is that a regular warheads flavor? Lemon? lemon? Yeah. It was like lemon, black cherry, sour apple, blue raspberry. <clears throat> but I guess you had to pick four if you're doing four packs, so, you know. Yeah, right, right. And that probably would have been like, you know, stupidly tart. Like you'd have to be you'd be sipping on that for hours. Yeah, maybe they will um eventually come out with like the other 
types of Warheads flavors. I know that they've been making these uh, in really small batches for a while. It's good. They're good. I but uh, it's definitely something like you'll have one and be like, all right, and you'll be good for a while. So yeah. aren't they like eight percent alcohol too? So you know, it's definitely, it's definitely up there. You're definitely tastes like a refined malt beverage. Like you know, if the black cherry is like a refined steel reserve black cherry, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I definitely think that. This is it's a special occasion beer. You're not going to go out of your way to get them all the time. I I can't see very many people wanting to like, <laughs> you know, have a bunch of these on hand. No. You know, and I, I, I really do appreciate the idea and efforts. It's like, hey, you know, something different, something new. You know, not another Nipa. Yep, and and I spread mine out. Uh, you know, drinking across like a few days. I did one basically one a day. Yeah, that's how I was too. Like, okay, like, what am I having today, you know, and then... Yep, yep, just kind of enjoying it slowly. Yep. Um, alright, let's get into, uh, let's get into First Blood. I love, by the way, that you haven't called it Rambo First Blood so far. I appreciate that. Right, it's First Blood, uh, you know, and that, and then it gets confusing, too, if you try to call it Rambo. You like, which film are you talking about? So you have to be, con- especially on a on a radio show like us, you have to be consistent and make sure that you're, um, you're doing it uh, the proper way. We're the podcast of record. That's right. You know we don't we don't do things entirely half assed. We do things in one sitting, but not half assed. Sometimes slapdash, but not half assed. That's right. That's a good that's a good word for it. Slapdash, but not half assed. We should, you know what? Let's put that in our Blood and Black Rum podcast store. Make that a bumper sticker. Slapdash, not half-ass. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. It's a nice. It's a this a it's a good phrase. Slapdash. I love slapdashed. Oh yeah, but I mean the whole thing in general. The whole well, phrase. Someone's you know, someone's got to be the one uh to be uh, able to turn about and be witty, and it ain't you, Mister Fucking English Major. Right. You just like bellicose and you know break out words every now and then that make you look smart. That's right. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't worry about the wittiness. I just go look at a thesaurus and try to find <laughs> new words for the show. All right. So first make, blood. Yeah, we'll make that a segment after five years. Ryan's thesaurus word of the show. That's right. Yeah, we should. Yeah. So first blood, we are uh, we're we're around Christmas time. We don't know exactly when, right? Um, we're in Washington, beautiful Washington. It is a very landscapey uh, setting that they got there. It was filmed not in actually in Washington, but British Columbia. But you know, you definitely get that. You know, the backdrop of those mountains and the yes. foggy mist in winter. It's beautiful, especially yeah. at the beginning of the film. It's nice, but at the same time, you're looking at those mountains like, man, there's like a fog up there 24-7. Yep. That don't look like fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. I think it's very it, it, picturesque. Yeah, I wonder where Rambo was hiking from, though, too. Well, we know he's going to Portland. I know, but I'm, I'm saying, though, like, so where was he, like, like he got, you know... 
his letter and he started walking out. Like, where was he from? Like, was he coming from like Massachusetts? I don't know. It'd be a far hike. You know, John Rambo was living out in Georgia and he's like, oh, fuck. Washington is the only old boy. I don't know. Either way, he's been hiking from somewhere and he's, you know, he's, he, he's visiting and like the film really gets down to business right away. It, it, it is just, you know, wh- what's the plot of Rambo? Uh, local yokels uh, are uh, oh. harassing uh, Rambo. Well, that happens in like the first 10 minutes. Local cunt ruins everything. That's right. You got Brian Dennehy's character, who is basically small town sheriff officer who feels like he is uh, superior and looking to pick fights with uh, the uh, basically the vagrants in the area. And who does he spot but Rambo walking down the street with his long hair and his, you know, he basically looks all disheveled. And uh, he is not one to just let that man go on his way. He's got to accost him right away. Uh, It's definitely now that it's been 40 plus years and that now 60, you know, 60 to 55 years since Vietnam. It's a it's a generational um, discord between, you know, Stallone, Rambo and Dennehy. You know, it's not just that he oh he's a long haired hippie and shit, but you know oh he's one of them damn dirty Vietnam vets can't get his shit together. Well, I fought in Korea. I'm doing fine. The fuck is he doing? Except being yeah, for a, sure. You know, being an asshole. Yeah, the film doesn't really go into that too much. Um, that the uh, throwaway lines. Yeah the the actual historical context of um. Of, uh, P- you know, PTSD and uh, other people who are like, well, I had a bad too. You know, that's kind of the whole the whole idea of uh, of Rambo, though. It, it mostly is just making comments about more so the PTSD of Vietnam. But um, in general, there is that whole idea that, uh, you know, you've got Rambo who um, fought in a different type of war, uh, very different. And you've got. Uh, Brian Dennehy's character Teasel, who's, um, you know, he's basically pulling rank at this point. And um, there's a whole conversation later on, uh, with, basically with Rambo's handler about, you know, what wh- what type of man Rambo is, and and actually there's a there's a lot of um, of monologues, or I guess you wouldn't call them monologues so much as um, exposition. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, they're they're exposition dumps that really um try to give you the scope of you know what's going on with rambo because uh the film though it gives you the flashbacks to vietnam uh it really relies on those exposition dumps to be like yeah he was you know he was in vietnam we we taught him to kill we we taught we basically we said uh i think there's a line even that says you know he he could eat things that would make a um billy goat billy goat <laughs> uh sick and so basically they're saying he's a machine, he's a killing machine, and uh, you know, you don't know what kind of terrors you've sparked by pushing him. Well, it's just funny too though cuz hey, we like winners. You didn't win Vietnam. If you fought in Korea, you didn't win Korea too. Technically Korea's still going on. 
That's why North Korea is at high alert all the time, expecting America to come swooping in to take them out at any moment. Right. That's right. You know, it's not like you want a winning war there either, but you know, point yeah, is, th- that's besides uh, the point. I think Rambo's really interesting in that it does have a lot to say in its plot, even though the plot is very, very minimal. Um, and, and even maybe unintentionally, um, unintentionally evoking some of these ideas uh, from the storyline about uh, PTSD and war and the differences between our historic uh, wars um, and how those affect both civilians and people that fought in them um, has a lot of resonating impact, even though it's, you kind of tend to think about Rambo, the character as being like some action hero, uh, blowing things up and, you know, being, uh, being a, uh, vigilante. No, we don't, there's only one vigilante and his name is Charles Bronson. <laughs> we already did him. We should do it again. I think that I say, but you're right though. Like, you know, poor Rambo, he's just looking for a hot meal. And he get, he's getting accosted by the sheriff who's like, I don't want, you know, a vagrant like you walking through my town. And when he's asking, I'm like, well, where, is there like a diner? He's like, yeah, 30 miles up north. <laughs> and then, you know, leaves him at the bridge and says, get out. And yeah. You know, and he turns back around. He's like, this motherfucker, I'm going to arrest him because he's being an asshole. Yeah. And I, I think that the, uh, the interesting part about that is that at that time, Teasel doesn't know that Rambo is a Vietnam war veteran with a storied history. And no, you know, but wearing, you know, wearing the nice, you know, green army jacket with the you know, uh, old glory on it. And he's like, yeah, it's not for fucking hippies like you. Cause you hate America. Yeah. I just, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, that, that, that all happens before they actually find out about the, uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor and uh, things like that, that Rambo is, has been awarded in his past. So basically you've got this guy who's treating him like, you know, some sort of hobo. Uh, and uh, that's really not the case. And you have that juxtaposition of, you know, someone who fought in a war, some might say unnecessarily, that, I now think at, is I think at this point everyone would say unnecessarily. Yeah. Still think twenty twenty Vietnam was a good idea. Then you're a fucking idiot. No, no, that's true. I, I <laughs> guess maybe I'm talking about in terms of nineteen eighty two. Uh, I think know, by, even by then they had sussed out like hmm, maybe that wasn't such a good maybe, idea. Maybe it wasn't a good idea. Like they've cut. I you know it'd be it'd be like now twenty like twenty years after the fact. Someone's still sitting here like yeah, you know it was a great idea. Iraq. That's right. Yeah. If you haven't come, if you haven't reckoned with that yet, you, there's a problem with your psyche. But um, I I do think that that's it's just an interesting uh, idea that they have going on, and really Rambo, um, you know, should be a pretty uh, pretty uh, empathic character for us to uh, follow as a protagonist because. Well, it's not just uh, not just because he's being accosted, but when he does go to visit his friend, he finds out he's dead because he got yep. cancer from napalm. Yeah, and as he's so, showing his his friend's wife's, you know, the picture, 
all he's you know telling them how like here here they all are and such and they're all dead and I can't wait to see this one buddy that's still here that wrote to me and no he's dead too. So not not a good time for Rambo, especially not a good time for Teasel to come up and give him a hard time. Uh, and basically in the car ride, uh, police car ride, that it's a nice little and actually a really good scene with Stallone, who's you know. It's like what? Why are you pushing me? Uh, I I I like that because you know in the, in still, sometimes you know some people might say Stallone is kind of a you know he, he the character that he plays is pretty much the same all the time, but I do think that he does a pretty good job with Rambo, um, especially in the early parts of this movie, um, coming off as more of a sympathetic character. No, definitely. Brian Denny, he's also like the perfect asshole too. On this, just loving, uh, you know, pulling rank, and uh, also he's trying to be that small town cop hero too. Because you see at the beginning of the film, there's that whole sequence of him saying hi Everyone to basically every, like all the like, people in the. How's it going? Hi, how's it going? How's your kids doing? Yeah, hi. <laughs> Yeah, just like uh, the the small town cop, uh, you know, in the morning coming out with his coffee and literally saying hi to every single person that he comes across in town. It's like the idyllic community. Um, I just love the idea. Like, listen, if I let John Rambo come walking through the streets of hope, then there are going to be more fucking hippies walking through my town. I, you know, can't be having that. This is a good clean cut town right with just a bunch of uh backwoods hillbillies as their police officers listen if if this if they were to remake this today like and it was like some fucking marvel productions or dc some asshole would be throwing in like merle haggard's okie from muskogee and like just to let everyone know like we don't smoke marijuana in hope washington and we don't take our trips on lsd as Rambo's walking through the town. How about the uh, rambling, like rambling man? <laughs> just, <laughs> just the thematic resonance of these. these as, he, as he would be having his Vietnam flashbacks, they'd be sure to put fucking fu- fortunate son playing in the background. As you can hear. Right, chop- right. Choppers over Nam. So our poor friend John Rambo ends up getting arrested for vagrancy and what was it? What else did he get charged for? It's like vagrancy. Is it re- resisting arrest too? Um, I don't think it's a resisting arrest, but he does he have he has that knife. Oh yeah. So he's weapon. basically yeah, concealed weapon carrying. But I like it too. He's like, you'll spend ninety days in jail and have to pay two hundred and fifty dollars. $250 fine. I know. That's that's really off-putting. You can afford that. And then all the asshole cops at the local sheriff's department decide to be fucking assholes and accost him and harass him and hose him down and beat him. Especially uh, one particular deputy, uh, Sergeant Galt, takes you know great pleasure in beating him. Right, he does. Uh, you get to see Stallone ass as he gets hosed down. 
that should be pleasant for some people. Um, the so what I was saying this uh, to you, this movie has got to be a conservative's nightmare because you're presented with an impossible decision. Do you side with the Vietnam War vet, storied career uh, hero, war hero, or do you side with the good old boys in blue who are harassing him? Which one is right in this scenario? It'd be like that meme of uh, the superhero looking at the two buttons and you know the sweat rolling down his face as he's got like a nice yeah, hand dusting it off like oh, yeah, the- <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so, uh, choose. It's so funny too because uh, a lot of these, a lot of films are fairly, um, you know, fairly liberal in their approach. And so you have this film that would, you know, obviously would appeal to people who are conservative because of the action elements of it. But then when they actually have to sit down and think about the uh, the theme of the film, uh, it's a little bit more um, tenuous. Excuse me. Bless you. All right. I, don't, I won't say I'm not going to. I don't think, though, jokes being aside, I definitely don't think this is like a. It's not like a lefty liberal paradise uh, of a film. It's just showing the plight of PTSD ridden soldiers and the misunderstandings that they face. I don't really think that's a, either a conservative or liberal take. It's more just uh, after hundreds of years of trying to figure out, you know, thousands of years, I should say, of trying to figure out this phenomena, you know, it's uh, a little bit better understood. Yeah, th- that is true. Uh, you're right. I don't really think that it's... As I would say, it, I, it's, you know, it's been named, like, Shell Shock from, like, World War One, you know, or Soldier's Fatigue, you know, Battle Fatigue, you know. But you, you're right. It does, like, it does put a conundrum on, like, well, who do you root for? Like, well, he is a war hero, but he was being a vagrant. Yeah, I think uh, it just uh, obviously you're supposed to root for for Rambo, right? I mean, he was. It, it, there's a whole the whole line and the the title of the movie that they drew first blood. Uh and so you know, obviously you're supposed to be rooting for Rambo as the the main protagonist, and we do see that for the most part it was the intentional bullying and harassment from the police that caused Rambo to have his PTSD flashbacks basically uh, envision himself in some sort of guerrilla fight. And, uh, you know, obviously, especially too in the film, it does make it apparent that Rambo knows the reality of the situation. He's not like living in some sort of um, PTSD hallucination where he thinks he's actually in Vietnam in the, in the jungles and he's fighting, you know, um, wouldn't that be something? Right, right. If it was an actual hallucination, just him, you know, tripping balls the entire, entire movie. Like, uh, every, you know, yeah. We, I mean, we know that that's not the case because he does bring up the fact. You know, he knows exactly what's going on, um, and he actually even tries to surrender at one point, where he comes out and says, "You know, I don't want any more people getting hurt," and uh, you know, I just. Uh, I didn't kill him. It was, you know, when they're talking about Galt when he falls out of the fucking chopper, ass over tea kettle. 
Yeah. So the film definitely wants you to to see Rambo as a, a protagonist. And I I don't disagree. I mean, I think that that really comes through. And, you know, you've got uh, a bunch of asshole cops who think that they can just bully, you know, anybody. And they even bring up, you know, Rambo's handler brings up the fact that, you know, at this, this time you made a mistake. You, you didn't know who you were, um, you know, who you were goading into, yeah. uh, so it's you know it's 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 a I think it's it's a really interesting uh plot that has been brought up in Rambo with the the PTSD elements um and I think it does a really good job despite the fact that you know for 90 minutes it doesn't have a significant plot to it besides what it sets in motion right at the beginning of the film and then also the um the exposition dumps that we get like here and there throughout the movie yeah, and from the the prison, well, not even prison, I should say, but county jail, where he escapes, we get a pretty cool motorcycle chase, you know, dirt bike chase, where he's driving down, you know, and being chased by Brian Dennehy. Yeah, that's he, an awesome chase. Which, by the way, too, Brian Dennehy, what a dumbass. He's gonna, he's he's like following him through like the woods and the holler. And like fucking barreling down rocks a cliff in his police car to get Rambo. Like that, so, I, I was actually. It's, it's almost well, he did. It's almost like he's like like you. It feels like he. The only reason he's doing it is like it would make sense of like oh shit, Rambo's got evidence like to turn in that I'm like a dirty cop or something. No, it's just pride. He's just like, I gotta fucking get this fucker, for, you know, for you know, showing us up. Like it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's a cool chase scene, but like just watching Brian Denny, he chased track him down in his fucking cruiser. It's kind of ridiculous because like, why are you fucking even bothering? Just like, like, all right, you got away. Darn. Lacey's not in my town anymore. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like now that's become sort of a, you know, sort of. What'd you say? obsession because he's yeah kind of, you know captivated by it yeah for sure he's definitely you know it's something and, and they bring it up later on too you know he thinks it's like his um his career move to be the hero here and bring down uh this guy who's causing so much trouble in this small town but uh at the same time it's not going to work out the way he thinks because now they're just going to have to you know say that oh yeah no he brought down a storied war hero um he, it's not the he flips his he ends up having to crawl out of his cruiser because he fucking flipped it ass up over end you know it's like someone's like oh god there goes a you know ten thousand dollar car right there you know <laughs> just he, the dirt bike scene though with you know whoever is piloting that dirt bike that's a really good scene especially where they go through the gas uh, station and, and he, he, there's like a between the car and the pumps. Yeah, that's like a very narrow squeeze right through there. That's an awesome. That's an awesome moment. The whole thing just has a really good pacing to it. It's not an overblown scene. Yeah, no, it's definitely like I said because it's understated. Like now it'd be like Ooh, it was the explosions and shit. You know, honestly, the best part to me is just watching Denny He's car fucking drive it around because that thing has got so much torque and it's rear wheel drive. So you're just seeing that thing fucking squib around. You know, trying to hold onto the road. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something you can't get nowadays with most of these front-wheel drive cars. 
Uh, there's another pretty good chase scene towards the end of the film, too. Well, you don't want to talk about the hunt in the woods first? Oh, yes, no, we can. I was just uh, the meat and potatoes of this film is uh, Rambo for 60 minutes just hiding out in the out in the woods, just, you know, fucking with them. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, guerrilla warfare uh, scenario of him being out in the woods, whittling down his sticks, uh, creating, you know, various traps, Home Alone style traps in the woods. Uh, Taking a burlap sack and realizing he can't be out in the cold with his wife beater. Uh, he's got to have something a little bit more substantive and, you know, creates a nice little poncho. And and not only so, I think the most impressive thing that Rambo does when he's out in the the woods is throw a fucking rock at a floating helicopter, smashing the the windshield of the helicopter, and then <laughs> that's when he causes um, uh, Galt to plummet out of the helicopter into uh, the rock quarry. The the pilot does say like briefly like why it's like the. Pl- things swaying around so much is because there's like an air pressure pocket or some shit. Yeah, like. there's like a storm because uh, they do end up getting like that thunderstorm and so they didn't want to come back. Yeah, so, but Galt's also a fucking awful shot. Yeah. I mean, like, the there's film. some, I mean, there's, because he's got Rambo dead to right sitting there hanging on the rocks and he's just missing left and right as he's, not only that, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, he sh- fired off more shots than he had in that rifle, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Probably. <laughs> well, that is yeah. a pretty, you know, cool, intense scene, you know, watching Rambo kind of get his bearings and, you know, deciding as he's about to get shot, and he's like, oh, what the fuck do I do? And he just fucking jumps, and he's like, I'll just take plummeting in the tree branches and then trying to break my fall, you know, from 50 feet up. Yeah, he just jumps into the tree and uses it to slow himself down by, you know, basically hitting every single branch on the tree. And it's pretty cool, too, the way, like, because um, you wouldn't expect, you know, like I said, this is why, like, you know, First Blood's not your, you know, it's definitely a prototypical action film, because the only real death in the film is Galt. And he, the way he dies is like you said, Rambo throwing a rock and him, and then he fell ass over teakettle a lot of the uh, helicopter and just landed on some rocks. Yeah, yeah, and and so um, that's that whole element too. I, I love that when he's plummeting and he's like going literally slow mo, legs up in the in the air, head down. Uh, great, great scene, great moment. It's nice too. They didn't add any like, you know, splat noises or anything. It's just you know, you know, thud. Yeah, no Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that. So like, you've got that whole scenario of him basically being hunted through the the woods. Uh. Eventually, he's he's it comes into contact with a group of men. Uh. Basically. They he, they call them like weekend warriors because they're volunteers who are out and about trying to help with the uh, search party, and well, they have a rocket launcher. All that well, because it's the National Guard. That's why they're called the weekend warriors. 
so the the uh, rocket launcher part, basically, <laughs> r- what? You oh, you're yeah, just laughing at this. I was say, you paused for like five seconds, so I didn't know if you like blacked out or something. <laughs> no, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell. I don't want to talk over you if we're, because uh, uh, sometimes if I talk and you're talking, it cuts out the the audio. So I, I sometimes I wait to see if you have anything to add, but um, so that's that's what makes it hard to be not in the same room as you can't really tell who's going to talk or what. But did you hear what I said? Because you called them weekend warriors. I'm like, yeah, because they're National Guard. That's why. Yeah, but they're volunteers, too, because the one guy says he's got to get back to the pharmacy on Monday. Yeah, he's National Guard. That's why that's what they got called yeah. up to track him down. So then that's what the guard is. They're not full time. They're literally citizens. And then when they get called up for duty. That's it. it. That's yeah, they're, they're volunteers. That's what I'm saying. That's well, no, I, get paid for the guard but i mean that's that's one of the funny lines though is he, when he's like you know because he's a fucking guardsman so you know he gets paid to go on the weekends to do this and then he's like brian denny he tells him you gotta start digging he's like come on i gotta go to the drugstore to, you know, yeah. to tomorrow yeah <laughs> it's, it's a, funny it is funny he's it, especially because they just cause a giant uh basically giant pile of rubble to sift through because they're being asked to find Rambo's body. But you forgot to mention before you even get to the guards, to the whole deputies, they get taken out and little, I don't know if you know, the one guy that gets taken out by like the fucking home alone spike death trap, which is kind of surprising that didn't kill him getting impaled like, you know, pretty badly in his legs that, you know who that deputy is? It was no. like screaming for like five minutes for Brian Dennehy's help. No, it was Deputy Mitch, who was played by David Caruso. You may know him as Horatio Kane. Yeah, I know that. I I didn't realize that that was the one who got the uh, got the uh, leg swipe there. I knew I knew he was in it, and he looks extremely young in this one. He's he's the. The deputy who's kind of like, I don't know if we want to go doing this. And then he's laughing. Yeah, like he's. You feel like at first, like they would have a conscience to lease in the group, and it seems like he will be at first. But then he's like kind of reveling in it too, like ah, we're on, you know, blah blah blah. He's almost like, uh, you know, your Bill Paxton being like, "Game over, man, game over," type of guy. You know, like, we're we're not hunting; we're being hunted. I don't know why I made him sound like Hank Hill. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I didn't. I and to be honest with you, like when you first see Mitch, it's hard to recognize him as David Caruso. Yeah, no, definitely. He's he's so young and he looks so different. You don't really put two and two together. Oh yeah. Um, what did you? Th- so, what do you think about the the cave sequence where he's going through the cave and all those rats come out? Basically, you know, Vietnam era esque, uh, like um, a tunnel, like jungle. A, like he's on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Right, yeah, pretty cool. Um, I think it would have been better if they kind of focused on that. I think the fact that they constantly cut back to like Brian Dennehy and then the, you know, Colonel Troutman's little you know monologue, um, uh, you know, discussions kind of hinders it because even though I like Dennehy and I like um, 
you know, Richard Crena as Troutman, like constant like flashing back like back and forth from that. Um just to hear like uh the, the, like I said, exposition dumps essentially is kind of a little you know, like eh, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a, it's a little bit too much uh with all the exposition. Like as good as Troutman is, like you know, like the best, his best part is like at the end, and then like when he first shows up, when someone's like, "God, how did God make a man like that?" And he's like, "God didn't make him. I made Rambo, John Rambo." You know, that's you know, cool and badass. And when he's talking about why Rambo is such a badass, that's pretty cool. But when they're like at the fucking bar and you know having a smoke and a drink, you know, it's kind of like, ugh, you know. Yeah, yeah, there is a couple of those. It's like the film doesn't really know how to uh, maximize the character development without also having a couple characters who have to directly say exactly what they want the audience to think or feel. Um, it, it might be, I think it would be a little bit, even though you said, like you said, you know, him saying, yeah, I made him is uh, kind of kind of cool and badass. It, it, I think it would be a little bit better for the film to allow the the uh audience to make that um you know to make that connection that you it's not it wasn't something that Rambo was born to do or anything like that he, it it was a learned and intentional um creation of him, crea- yeah. yeah I don't I, I almost wanted to say corruption but not corruption but you know it just fulfilled a duty uh without the really the the concern about what that's going to do to somebody once they're no longer needed. Well, but, um, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, so, and once you get to the end of the film where Rambo uh, has now gotten out of the jungle, not the jungle, but the, the woods and uh, he's going back to town. Um, the film really kind of goes, goes into a tailspin where it's sort of like shit we need to wrap this up uh you know what do we do how do we how do we get out of this now uh and the ending is like so abrupt it's just very very quick um there's a, a basically some a couple of uh key speeches that are done and then the film pretty much ends um and not only that but it ends with you know Stallone coming out, being escorted, and the credits rolling over him. It's almost like the film wasn't even done. They're just like, you know what? Let's let's just end it. Oh yeah, it's supposed to be three hours, right? I know, but it's just <laughs> now with the ninety-minute runtime, the ending is just so just comes out of nowhere. Really, it's just like, okay, that's it. Uh, we're we're done. We're out. Well, the book ends with him him dying, so you know, definitely him living at the end. Kind of a maybe a sequel. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they were thinking like that, but I think, I I I think um, though, just it would kind of have to end it with like, end it there, just so it's something like, well, at least he's not dead, you know, because you you know you sympathize with Rambo, so though right, and, and at the same time, you know, when you get to like his speech, maybe death would have been better for him. You t- yeah, I mean. I, for all of his speech being used and sort of like memed now, um, I do think it's a pretty, it's a pretty well written speech at least. I don't know that Stallone is able to 
deliver in uh, the dramatic way that it probably could have been done. Really, I um, think it, it, it's like his best, like his like one of his finest hours. It, it, it's fairly good. I don't know that. I think somebody, some people could have done it better than Stallone. I um, think his like his just raw visceralness and just you know like the way he is kind of like that makes that you know. Yeah, you want to see Robert Redford yelling like, you know, I I used to fly million dollar equipment, and now I can't park cars. Like you need somebody like Stallone fucking just shouting and you know, true. yeah. Like you know, I mean, it's it fits. It does. You know, I you're right. It, I think he does a good job with it. Um, I think, I think, I think, it's a, right. it's a, I think you're I think you're being clouded just by his recent output. I think, like I said, I think he does a good job. I think it might have, you know, there are some people who maybe could have done it better, but I think that you're right. The visceral nature of it, the the way that it he he basically is all in on the part, uh, it does work. Um, and I think that the 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 one like what you were saying, the the part about him specifically talking about how much of a war hero he was and then coming back not being able to do the things that um he, well at that you know, point it's not even about him being a war hero it has nothing to do with him being a war hero it's like this you know out in, you know in vietnam fighting for his country these are the things he can do that he's tasked with he's not even framing it in a way of being like you know heroic but like he like he's asked to do all this stuff and he can do it but now back here, he can't even park cars, you know, as a job. Can't hold yeah. a job down, you know. That's the main point. Like, that Like that doesn't even have, like, you know, him being a war hero is just, like, a character point. Like, when it comes to that, like, I think PTSD and, like, yeah, character framing, him being a hero is not the point. It's the what he and his fellow soldiers who may not have been recognized were tasked with and asked to do and capable of doing, but now cannot do when they return back to society, you know, civilized society as a civilian. Yeah. Not only that, but they're not even able to um, get help for that. Like there's no one, no one for them to talk to about this. They're, they're kind of on their own. Yeah. Cause all his friends are dead. All the people he could connect with and relate to are dead. You know, that's the, and, you know, that's mainly, you know, the point of the film, like that disconnect and like how you need to be able to relate to these soldiers. Like you may have disagreed with the Vietnam War and what was fighting for, but you can't, you know, you can't blame the soldiers who fought it. Right. Especially if they were drafted because they may very well have not wanted to fight the war and were against it, but they sure as shit didn't want to get sent to prison. For, you know, draft dodging. So. And that's the point. But like I said, kind of going back to like your three hour point. I think the film works better in 90 minutes. If you watch it in the time period with that kind of time frame in mind. But I think if nowadays, if this were to get made, now it's so far gone from Vietnam, you'd ha- almost have to elaborate. Like, not say make it three hours, but you'd have to like add like another thirty minutes to add historical context, because I think a lot of that would get lost in translation these days. 
Well, I do think that the film needs a little bit knowledgeable citizenry. Yeah, I mean, I think the film needs a little bit longer at the end of the movie. I think it needs just a little bit more than what we get to kind of conclude it. Just it just feels a little rushed. I'm kind of surprised now I think about it that they haven't remade the film and like had like instead of it being about you know Vietnam vet having a Iraqi vet come back. Kind of surprised Hollywood hasn't jumped on that. That seems like an idea ripe for ripe for the picking. I mean, in some ways they've done that, just not as a Rambo film. Yeah, but then you'd make so much more money calling it First Blood. It's true. But it's definitely a great speech. I love it, you know, because the high that he goes from of like him, you know, when he's talking to Troutman, you know, about what he's seen, what he was capable of doing and all that. And then, you know, just watching him break down as he's like talking about one of his, you know, buddies that he was in this squad and how they were talking about driving his, his convertible and doing this and that. And he's like, uh, well, one day he got shot and his you know guts are flying out and he's talking about how he wants to go home and he needs help. And I'm like, I can't help you. You know, what the hell do I do? You know, it's uh, and the way Stallone kind of, you know, he goes into all of that, I think is very well done. It's definitely one of his best performances, like outside of like Rocky one, two. Yeah. What do you think the the music throughout? Um, uh, it's done by Jerry Goldsmith. Yep. Well noted. It's not bad. I think it's overused though. There's like this whole film was just kind of crammed with uh music and sp- and even spots where it kind of just uh like you don't really need it. I think where like silence and ambiance would have made the film more impactful. Like there's scenes where like Rambo's like hunting down like the first group of deputies in the woods where I think if they weren't blasting that goddamn soundtrack throughout those scenes would have been a lot more impactful. It's definitely not his best work. I think it's not, the, it's not bad, but it's, just, it's definitely, I think overused and uh, yeah, film could have used more ambiance to it. Yeah. I think the, the actual score is good. I don't, the, the songs, like the the ending of the film, the song, a little cheesy now, but uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't really get into? Might be it. I think it's a fun film. Yeah, it's definitely like I said, like the the whole end action set piece too, like of Rambo running around blowing up the gas station and shit is kind of uh, a little goofy, and him him running around shooting off the M sixty to kind of distract him, all a little goofy now. Doesn't see you know, but still not bad. I do think that one of the weaker points of this film, outside of the end, you know, like as you said, with the way it ends, like the whole I think third act ending sequence is kind of, you know, a little lame outside of, you know, Rambo's speech. Like the whole setup of him, like kind of, I'm not saying it had to be over the top, but like just him coming back to the town 
and what he does to kind of like you know get even is just kind of like, eh, yeah, you know. eh. yeah, yeah. I, de- I definitely think it's it's a bit rushed towards the end. Um, it's anticlimactic. Yeah, his they weren't final, really sure how to end final, it. His final confrontation with like Denny, he's a little anticlimactic. But but like I said, the film's pro- overall very understated because you have you know outside of Denny he and Galt, that's about it for the death. So. And everyone else that he kind of takes out is very kind of visceral and realistic. So it makes sense, but you know, it's still kind of a little bit like, eh, you know? Yeah. So out of uh 10 burlap ponchos, what would you give uh first blood? I'd give it an eight. It's a good film. It's definitely, um, not the movie. I think people, when they associate Rambo, that they'll think of. Uh, Cause like I said, it's pretty un- like by today's standards, it's pretty tame and understated. I think it tackling the issue, the idea and the issue with like Vietnam vets and their trials coming back and the PTSD that they faced though. A, the fulcrum of the film, it's definitely understated and minimalistic. And I think they get the most mileage out of it that they can. I like the setting of Washington the whole like British Columbia mountains looks beautiful. It's got a very, you know, almost, you know, Western deliverance kind of feel to it. Instead of, you know, the Kentucky Appalachian mountains, you got British Columbia mountains. It's very cool. I think the premise is really good. The film is definitely carried by Stallone and Brian Dennehy. Um, and their interaction. It's got great ideas. Um, like I said, because the PTSD is minimal. That flat, the whole like talking about flashbacks, it's literally just that quick scene in the prison where that happens. It's not really something that's, you know, really brought up. Um, the action, though, understated by today's standards, is pretty damn good. It definitely holds up. Um, I think the only really downfall of this film is that, it, not that it's slow pace, but I think the fact that it relies a lot of on exposition dumps between Dennehy and uh, Troutman to kind of set the last two acts hinders it because it's, you know, doesn't come across as good dialogue. It's just, you know, like I said, exposition dumps, but uh, you know, it's never over speech is very good. And I think Stallone did a great job. It's definitely, this is definitely one of his finest hours. So I'd say, yeah, 10, it's definitely worth watching. And, you know, you'll be disappointed when you watch the later films. But- yeah, I agree. Eight out of ten. Yeah, that's it for our uh, Rambo show. First Blood. Hooray! Did you want to say anything else? Yeah, just, you know, I mean, from this we got Rambo's a part of the popular culture zeitgeist. You know, I'll start here. Well, we started with the book, but, you know, who read that? That's right. He's so popular, he's a one of the new ML uh, Mortal Kombat DLC characters. So you could, if you ever wanted to know who would win a fight, Ra- John Rambo or the Terminator, now you can figure it out. <laughs> or John Rambo versus Spawn. They actually, uh, you know, this is a lot for Stallone. Stallone actually in the MK11 uh, for his character, he voiced him. Uh, Ernie did not voice the Terminator. Oh, I didn't even know that. And actually, they just added um, 
Mortal Kombat the movie skins for Raiden and Sonya and Johnny Cage because uh, Shang Tsung is actually voiced by the person in the game is voiced by his actor from the film and they mocked him up to look like him. And I think now, mm-hmm. at least with the Raiden that I saw, he, uh, if you dress him up as Chris Lambert, he that's Chris Lambert talking. So good on Warner Brothers and NetherRealm for that. That's really cool. Yeah, I guess so. I All don't right. I don't know if the Lindsay Ashford and them voice the rest, but you know, still cool. But yeah, Rambo. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Um, so we have come to the end of our quote unquote Thanksgiving episode. Uh, <laughs> but we are gonna be back for basically the rest of the holiday season as we do all of our, our Christmas episodes. Um and as you know, we normally do them every week. And we're going to do that. We've got four on the docket for us in the coming weeks. So we will be back next week. And I think we will start things off with the final episode in our Silent Night, Deadly Night series, which is the remake Silent Night. It's one I've never seen before. Um, So I'm definitely curious about it. And that will that will put a nail in the coffin of all the silent nights that we have been doing since we've been doing them for what, like six years now. Yeah. Something, something ridiculous. Every, every, uh, every Christmas will, we do a sequel. And so this will be the end of that. That's, it's kind of been the legacy. So if uh, you like what you're hearing, uh, definitely check us out on pretty much any podcasting app you can think of. We're on it. Uh, leave us a nice review and uh, subscribe to us. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum. Uh, we're on Twitter at blood and black rum. And uh, we have an email address at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. You can write to us, let us know what you want to hear us cover on the show. And we'll take that into consideration. Uh, finally, you can donate to us. Uh, we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Uh, if you want to donate anything monthly, um, it definitely helps us out with our uh, hosting fees and stuff like that. So, Anything that you can donate is appreciated. Uh, Other than that, thanks for listening to our special Thanksgiving episode of First Blood. And we hope to see you back for our holiday episodes next week. Take care. Happy Festivus and happy Thanksgiving.